0: Welcome to Drink Beer Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. Brian Kilpatrick, the co-founder and executive brewer of Fiction Beer Company in Denver is my guest this week. And he's here to talk about how beer can tell a story, just like a good book, and how he revels in the collaborative nature of brewery relationships. But first, I'll invite you to check out BeerEdge.com for the newsletter, episodes of the Beer Edge podcast, articles, and to check out the merch page for the This Week in Rauk Beer and Camp Rauk Beer gear, as well as other fun things. And I'm also happy to say that NZ Hops is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer Think Beer. Harvest has officially ended in New Zealand, and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Matuika, Rewaka, and the newest hop in the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit, and tropical fruit notes layered with pine, citrus, and herbal notes offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding nzhops Hops on social media. Ryan Kilpatrick was part of the third wave of craft breweries that opened up in the US coming up on a decade ago. And he's gonna tell the story of Fiction Beer Company in a minute. But my visits to his place in the past, I've always been struck by the comfortable feeling and the diverse tap list and the general engagement of the staff. And that usually comes from ownership. So in this podcast, recorded over Zoom, we talk about how to retain employees and how they approach recipe development. And we also talk about some recent collaborations he's done. It's wide ranging and like a good book, it takes some twists and turns. And I hope you enjoy listening as much as I did. But first, I couldn't talk with the Colorado Brewer or any brewer actually this week without first getting into the news. Here's our conversation. When I think about the last week in Denver, it's been a tough one uh, beer-wise. We lost Falling Rock. Uh, the Brothers Black announced that they were uh, closing up shop after 24 years, and they talked about a uh, variety of reasons as to, to <laughs> why they were why they were closing. Uh, you know, construction and COVID, and and sort of a, a change in the overall beer scene. But um, yeah. As as a as a brewer and a beer industry owner, can can you just talk a little bit about the importance of Falling Rock and what this loss actually you know could mean long term for the city?
1: Well, the loss you know personally into the to the beer community. I mean, Falling Rock's been a mainstay for like twenty five years. Yeah, I mean, just about twenty five. Yeah, before I moved, I mean before I moved to Colorado, I I knew about Falling Rock. Before I could legally drink beer, I knew about Falling Rock. And when I came to Denver to drink for my first time, where I wanted to go was Falling Rock. (laughs) It's, It's a place you go to when you're downtown. It's a place you go to when you want something rare. It's a place you go to when you just uh, especially around GABF time or, or other beer centric activities in Denver, because those seem to come around a lot, yes. It's the place you go to meet people. Um, and, you know, they they always had a good rotating selection of beer on tap for any style of craft beer drinker from the person who just needed, you know, a good solid amber ale to the person who wants the newest craziest off the wall ingredient, something or other. Um, they, they had a little bit of everything. And then they, once you got into their seller days, when, when they had those seller release days, man, those were amazing stuff that he had stocked away. Yeah. Your, your eyes just go wide with, oh my goodness, you, you've got a bottle of that. I, it's $50. That's fine. I'll take my money. <laughs> um, I mean, they taught so many people how to drink craft beer and the loss of that it came I mean, as a shock, it was sudden. I mean, obviously everybody's been struggling this last year. Everybody's been doing it what they can. I mean, when COVID first hit and restaurants were shut down, you know, they were shut down right away. And then as soon as they said, okay, well, now you can do a little delivery stuff, you know, they started crowling some of their beer just to get it out, just to stay alive, to pay some bills. But the way COVID hit, I mean, downtown was was devastated, it was demolished. I mean, there was nothing going on down there. And so, you know, they, they say that wasn't everything. I as a business person and knowing how it affected us it had to be 10 times worse for them i mean that's got to be a big part of it but yes the, the construction that they've had down there i mean downtown's always going through these these growth cycles and, and new buildings going up but but right where they are there was a, a big construction project that was rerouting traffic and so it was hard to get to them and, People like falling rock, but if it's too difficult to get to, and you've got to park 20 blocks away, and you don't have that much time anymore, well, you go to whatever place is next closest to you. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, I, you know, we we were probably part of the problem, too. Um, you know, we were part of sort of, I guess, the third wave of, of brewery openings in the country, um, you know kind of the first one in the nineties and then second one in the early two thousands. And then, you know, big boom here in the, in the late, you know, 2010 sort of area. Um, and all the, all, I mean, we went from, you know, a less than a dozen breweries in Denver to, you know, 50 breweries in Denver in a matter of a couple of years. And it's the same couple of years that they had all that construction going on around them. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I, uh, it makes my heart ache for, for falling rocket and everybody else too. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. Um, we were fortunate enough to be in a position where we we were able to weather the storm and we were able to keep our employees employed and we were still able to do enough to go business to, you know, keep things in the, in the red, but in the low red. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I mean, just, I can't imagine what they had to go through to make that decision after everything they've done for the community. After you know the, all the events that they sponsor, I mean, they're, yeah. you know, they're Falling Rock's part of everything in Colorado that's beer related. They they really are. And so, what happens next? I I don't know. It's. it's I I was weird. out there last
0: week. I made an impromptu trip. I uh, I heard from some folks that there was going to be a, a gathering at Falling Rock. uh, on the Wednesday before they closed, they've been closed. Mm -hmm. They made the announcement, I think on a Saturday night and they said, we're going to be closed in the next couple of days. We'll be open on Wednesday. And, uh, some folks reached out to me. And so I jumped on a plane and uh, I was out there on, uh, on that, 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 you know, that, that first last day or that last first day of, uh, last week. And, um, I spent a little bit of time in between the uh, pints of blind pig and Sierra and a lot of pale ale. um just sort of like walking around and watching stuff disappear from the walls as people were buying up all of the the bar towels and the posters and the glassware and the tap handles and everything. And um I, I realized that one of the things that I've always loved about that bar was the aesthetics of it and how, over time, they had settled into the place and, what was on the wall was an extension of sort of the chaotic nature of it, but also the, the reverence for beer and the reverence for beer history and mm-hmm. you know, the sort of, you know, controlled chaos that comes with you know, running a proper tavern with a full bar and kitchen. Um, and so I, it, and then I was sort of thinking on the way home of like the bars that are opening up today I was sitting with Tommy Arthur from the lost Abbey um, at the airport on the way home. And, you know, we we're saying, you know, if, if, if a place opened up today that was trying to be the beer bar, um, it would probably be sterile, or if it opened up in San Diego or Jersey or wherever, it it, it wouldn't have the same character on the wall. Um, it wouldn't have the same feel of, of, of the place. Um, and that comes over time. But when I first visited your brewery and you said you, you told me before we started that you opened up in 2014, um, you know, I probably visited in 2015, 2016 for the first time, um, and then probably again in 2019. And your place very much feels like an extension of your beers and an extension of the ethos that um, I've learned about your brewery over time. And so I, I wonder how much thought you put into that early on or if it's something that you've sort of eased into with and we'll talk about pints in a minute but just yeah. the I'm, I'm curious about the the nature so of
1: yeah it was your not walls yeah it was not part of our you know pen to paper business plan originally you know we had you know a, a, a random brewery name in there you know my home brewery name is what we had in the business plan originally but we knew that wasn't going to work we didn't want to
0: do that. what was your home brewery name <laughs>
1: Uh, Black Whisker Brewing.
0: Okay. Uh, Gets harder to maintain the older you get, my friend.
1: (laughs) Yep. So um, we we, we knew we were going to plug something else in there. And so my wife and I were tossing around ideas. And what we really wanted to do was make it an extension of us. It needed to fit our personality and be who we were. We weren't trying to be somebody else. Um, and, uh, actually the, the impetus came from my wife. Uh, she, uh, meant she sent me a text message one day and I've got, I've got spreadsheets of names of breweries and all sorts of stuff. And she sent me a text message. Well, what about fiction beer company? Or she might've said fiction brewing company to begin with. I think I shot back with fiction beer company. It just sounded cleaner. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she sent that over. Every and good work a like, fiction needs a good editor. It was <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and so we shortened it down made it succinct and um you know i i immediately shot back because this is like 2012 and it seemed like at that time every other week there was an article about some brewery getting into a lawsuit with some other brewery or a winery or something over trademarks and naming rights and it was like okay well hey we can avoid all that by just will pull our inspiration from, from all of our favorite books. And, and we'll just use language to create the names of our beers rather than, you know, you know, having, you know, t- tongue in cheek names or things like that. So, so that's what we set out to do. And and really the, the brewery itself evolved from there. And every part of our tap room right now was there from day one. Well, um, I mean, we from the. I mean, you've probably seen we've got like the book quotes about beer in our tables from authors sure. and stuff like that. We've got the little free library that wall-to-wall books and the bars made out of books and our beers are named after books. I mean, all of that was all part of the plan. Once we solidified what the plan was, <laughs> uh, and so we wanted it to be a very succinct extension of who we are my wife is a big book dork i am a big beer geek i like books i read books she loves books and reads a lot more than i do and and she likes beer but i love beer and so we kind of just put the two together and when we wanted to do that we wanted to make sure that the tap room fit that as well and so yeah over the years it's um it's it's the thing people remember most about us is Oh yeah I've been to your tap room you've got that book that bar made out of books I love that place the beers are good thanks <laughs> every time every time I hear that it just gives me gives me such a smile.
0: Well, and that's sort of the interesting thing you mentioned. You know that maybe being a tap room was part of the you know could have helped uh, 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 move Falling Rock along to, to where it is these days. And th- there's no shortage of brewery tap rooms in. Denver and uh, or in Colorado, and I know Chris Black, um, Falling Rock owner, uh, made a thing about some of the other breweries from outside of the city opening up tap rooms nearby and uh, mm-hmm. sort of taking away. And that that's a that's a whole other uh, uh, episode for later on. But sure, when there are new breweries opening up all the time, when there are when there is so much choice in the city, do you think early on having an identity in Books, something that you can sort of, you know, like I think of like, you know, like True, like where they were the the heavy metal brewery, quote unquote, yeah. uh, you know, for 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 a while, and I guess still are, and you know, there, there's been others that have come up that have rallied against or, or, or rallied behind something else, uh, merging, you know, owners' passions with beer. Yes. Um, do, do you think that it helped having that identity from day one to to get people coming through the door?
1: Honestly, no. Okay. I, think, I think it helped us to um, build our brand, to build our identity, to, so that people could um, identify with us. But my, And don't get me wrong. We definitely have people who come in just because we're called Fiction Beer Company. It ha- it happens. Um, you know, there'll be people who come into Denver. Uh, you know, hey, we're going on vacation. We're going up to the mountains, but we were Googling breweries and fiction popped up and I just had to stop in. And we, we do get that. And so, yes, there, there is some semblance to that. But I think more of what it is, is is people who love books and who'd like to read, they stumble upon us, they find us and they're like, blown away like oh my gosh why didn't i know this was here this this has been here i i love this i love books i love everything about this place this is great and the beer is good too and then other people come in and they're like the beer is good and this book thing is kind of interesting and so it it's it's a i'm not sure if it's the right word or phrase but it's a talking point it's a it's something for people to remember us by and to identify us with um but i do not think that when we first opened it it's what drew people in um, you know we're a, we're a a pretty small little tap room. We're in a neighborhood on the east side of Denver, where when we opened, there was nothing over there. And that was our goal. We just wanted to open and be a little neighborhood brewery. And we, we, we stumbled into a little bit of notoriety for some of the beers that we made. And so now we get, we have a good mix of regulars who walk to our tap room from their house. that's a block away. And of people who, you know, on weekends, we'll go do beer tours and you go to three or four different breweries and try some things. And it's a, and it's a great mix of people trying new stuff and people who come in and they're there, you know, some, some people who come in every day, we have some people who come in every week You know, and it's, it, we've, we've built a good community out of it.
0: You mentioned, um, you know, that there's other now breweries in the area. Um, there is a, a larger craft brewery tap room, not too far from you, right?
1: uh station 26 is the one that comes to mind um, okay yeah so they are they're on the same street as us they're just two miles north um, that's yeah and so they opened up you know they weren't they were not on our radar as a, as a brewery in the, in the works or anything when we started this out um, and they came in and were able to get open in a much quicker time frame than we were and opened about nine nine months before us okay. we had started our planning and all that you know before they were in there but yeah, so they're, you know, they're on the very north side of the neighborhood we're in, we're on the very south side, so we're we we couldn't be further apart uh, as far as the our local neighborhood's concerned. Um but yeah, but, but we moved in after them, um and opened up after them, but but even since then there's been another one, two, three, three, four, five, four or five breweries that have opened up in 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 the, you know, immediate area.
0: Is there a Yeah, is is there a- I don't know, not like a consortium, but like is there I don't know a sense of community among you know you brewers in that neighborhood? Uh or is it just it it just it strikes me as like it's such a hard thing to do these days because everybody I mean might take even you know forget the pandemic for a second. Um it just seems like everybody's just you know so busy and trying to keep their heads down and trying to
1: Yeah. Uh a community, no, a um, you know, mutual respect. Yes, absolutely. Like we know Justin very well from Station Twenty Six. One of our old head brewers is their head brewer now. Um, you know, we 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 know them very well. If we need something, and you know, we I can reach out, and if they they can do it, they're they're happy to help. Um, same thing. You know, there's a there's another brewery that opened up not too long ago, in the middle of the neighborhood, kind of halfway between Station Twenty Six and us uh long table brewing and uh, same thing with them i mean when the, when the pandemic hit they were a huge help to us I mean, we were going through 1200 crowlers a week um into wow. go crawlers and you know everybody was doing that and you couldn't get cans from oscar blues you couldn't get the crawler cans it was hard to do so they loaned us some while we were waiting for for more to come in and then we had to loan them some while they were waiting for more to come in and uh, it's just it's things like that and, and Know, if you need help there's there's friends there to help um but to your point we're we're all a little too busy for community I you know um, at least I am <laughs> um, and, and, so, and 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 us at fiction we, we are I mean I don't think everybody is but um, we we kind of do it to ourselves <laughs> when it comes to
0: though breweries in town um what, I, what I've really enjoyed is everybody seems to be, or not everybody, but um, the ones that sort of I start to pay attention to and that get to my, you know, my, my level of understanding um, are the ones who are kind of going their own way and trying to, um, you know, put out beers that are represent- representative of their brew house likes, as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, what they think Untapped, or the beer nerds, or whatever, <laughs> uh, is going to dictate that they put out. Um, yeah. What's your approach to what goes on tap at the brewery? Uh, it's a great. Oh question. man, that was that was like a cackle of a laugh. <laughs> My
1: goodness, it's. Uh, um, strap uh, in I'm, kids, yeah. Our approach is typically, hey, we need to brew something next month. What do we feel like brewing? <laughs> what do you want to drink next month? Um, y- yeah, you know we. Uh, i'll rewind back for a minute so we um we were the first brewery in the state to, to to brew a new england style ipa and, and one of the first to get recognized for it and uh we've become synonymous with that so we almost always have one of those on tap so it's like all right this beer is this uh, this uh, this new england style or ac style ipa is about to kick we need to put another one on tap what's it gonna be? but we change it you know we play with new hops we play with new processes we change some some of the grist um and so we don't have, and we haven't had for a long time, a set. Here's our house beers. You know, we, you know, a lot of places they'll have their pale ale and their stout and their wheat and their amber and stuff like that. Um, and it's the same beer and that's, they always have those. We, we don't have that. Um, and it's, it's mainly because of our size and our and our capacity and our ability to, to make new things. Um, if we could have beers on all the time, we probably would, but, we want to have fun. We're, we're brewing to have fun and to try new things. And so we, we, we play around a lot. We experiment. um, We see new hops. We try those, we, we try different things. And so if one of us has a flavor idea or something we want to do, we'll do it and we'll have the conversation of, Hey, this is a great idea. I love the sound of this beer. It's not going to sell, but let's do it. Um, And, you know, We'll plan to have it. Well, wait a
0: minute, though. I mean, like that—that that sounds, you know, really nice. But like, you still have to keep the lights on and pay the employees and everything. I mean, absolutely, you can't be that
1: cavalier about it. That's why we can't do those all the time. Okay. Um, you know, it's 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 okay. Hey, we're stocked. We've got our IPA on tap. We've got, you know, we've got a good mix of beers online. We've got a tank that's open. What do you want to brew? What What sounds fun? And we'll go around and it'll be something else. I might have an idea I want, or Dan, our head brewer, might have an idea. Brandon, our assistant brewer, might have an idea, and so we'll we'll go down that line. And if we've got the tank space for it, and we've got the time for it, we'll do it. I mean, we we brewed a, um, uh, you know, we recently brewed a Vienna Lager, which is a style that I love, but is not a style that sells well in a tap room typically. No. And so, you know, but we wanted to do it, and we hadn't done one before, and so it's all right. Let's do it and you know that one's a little easier because it's a lager so it will age really well um so if it takes six months to sell it through it instead of our typical three months we're okay with that now if we brew an ipa and we can't sell it in three months uh you know we've got problems Uh, different story so uh you know We try to keep certain styles on. We'll always have that hazy, but sometimes it's a single, sometimes it's an Imperial. Sometimes we have both. Um, Sometimes it's fruited, you know, all those different variations you can get into there. We try to have, you know, we have this one beer that we wrote a recipe for about our second, second year we were open, maybe the beginning of our, end of our first year, because we were, you know, we were a new brewer and we get people coming in and um, you know, the kind of the, the, newbies to craft beer, so to speak, would come in and be like, well, what do you have? That's like a fat tire. That's like a blue moon. Or, you know, they knew these craft things, these bigger craft beers and they throw it, or what's like a Sierra Nevada a pale ale. And yeah. we're like, okay, Hey, you know, we, the pale ale one was easy. We, we got pale ales. Here you go. But, um, for some of the other things like an Amber, people would ask for an Amber beer, a wheat beer, you know, what, what lagers do you have? And we didn't have any of those at the time. So we, we wrote a recipe, specifically to cover all those and it's a it's a california common um but it's a it's a honey wheat amber and so it's a third honey malt the third wheat malt and the third pilsner malt and then we use a lager yeast on it so it, it hits all those little and it, it's always in our top five of our sellers it's not we're never excited to brew that beer but it's the really? only beer we ever we almost always have on tap because one, it fits one more time, a, what's the name of it uh it's called a beer of very little brain and it's because it's just a simple beer. Yeah. And it's obviously inspired by AA Milne's Winnie the Pooh. Um, and so it's, uh, if it it's a lot of inches, somebody comes in and they're, Hey, I just, I just want an Amber ale. Hey, we got that for you. Hey, I just want a wheat beer. Got that for you. I just want something, you know, easy drinking like a lager. Got that for you. Here you go. Um, that's the only beer that we actually try to keep on tap all the time. And it's, uh, it's not fun. It's not exciting for us, but, Our customers love it and it's, it sells really well for us. Um, I,
0: I don't know why, but that makes me a little sad. (laughs) Here's a beer that sells well for you. Here's a beer that ticks so many boxes. And I mean, really just sounds creative that like, you know, you're melding all these sort of different styles and, and, and an age when styles don't like really exist anymore. Yeah. um, Something that can tick a whole bunch of boxes. But that you're not excited by it, just kind of,
1: I don't know, that just hurts a little bit to hear. Uh, I'll, I'll correct that and say we were excited about it when we first brewed it because okay. it was a creative combination. It was, hey, look, we can do this. We can make this all into this one thing. And it's such a its such a great universal beer for people who are looking for something simple. Um but now it's been six years and when it's time to brew that beer it doesn't, take, it doesn't take long to brew it i mean we can we can actually turn that beer around in about two weeks um it's best at about four weeks and and later but it, it it's uh it's still very tasty at two weeks um, so it doesn't get a full you know traditional uh cold storage lagering um, but uh at, at any rate so you know back then we were but now it's it's uh oh we've got to brew that okay let me make room for it and schedule among these other things that we're excited about because they're new they're they're different it's 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 something we have to fit into the schedule and and we sort of did that to ourselves because we don't have those standard beers and so everything's new for us so everything's exciting and uh, every time we we brew a beer it's it's pretty much a new beer And so when you've got all this excitement about all these new beers, and then you brew this thing you've been brewing for six years, um, it's just not exciting to us anymore.
0: It's a sad reality. No, I get it, I get it. More with Ryan in a minute, but first thanks to the folks who help keep the mics hot here, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. If you're thinking about beer competitions and the newly announced New Zealand pale ale and New Zealand IPA categories, Visit NZ Hops online at nzhops.co.nz or find them on social media. There, you'll learn about varieties bursting with white wine, stone fruit, tropical fruit aromas, and more. Hops from New Zealand are unlike any others found on the globe. Discover them today. And now, back to Ryan Kilpatrick of Fiction Beer Company in Denver. Um, You mentioned uh, experimenting and trying different ingredients. Are there, and specifically you mentioned hops, have you come across any newer or um maybe underutilized hops in recent uh in recent batches that you're know, we kind have, of asked about?
1: We've been doing two things lately, um, which kind of goes to your question, I think two ends of your question. Newer hops, um, you know, there's a lot of hops coming out every year uh, from the various growers and breeding programs and USDA and everything else. Um, there's some um, hop blends that are very interesting as well. Uh, but yeah, so we've been playing around quite a bit recently with some of the newer experimental hops from, I guess they're not experimental because they're they're already named and proprietary and stuff, but from uh, Brewer Supply Group, who is one of our uh, grain suppliers. They're really, their warehouse is really close to us. So we, we spend a lot of time there. <laughs> um but they've got uh this zamba hop that we just put in our um our IM hazy ipa our, our matthew shepherd collaboration ipa yeah that is just this great well-rounded easy to blend with other hop um like grapefruit citrus profile to it um you know kind of like a super intense uh cascade um And and it's just a really cool hop. And then we did this, uh, we did a cold IPA not too long ago. Um, I guess the brew before that, that we used this, um, these other hops, this, uh, sequoia and evergreen hop, which the the cold IPA was more of a West coast leaning style. And so it, it had a lot of that, that dank pine resin thing that you get from like a blind pig or a Pliny that, that, you know, that West coast hop. Um, but had some subtle nuances to it of, of these kind of more citrusy flavors that people are leaning towards these days. So, you know, and then on the other end of the hops, we've also been moving back towards some old hops that, you and know, we sort of steered away from um, Centennial is one that, you know, it's been around for a long time. It, it's, it's one of the standard sea hops in a West coast IPA of 15 years ago, you know, um, yeah we've been using Centennial quite a bit in in our beers lately as a, as a supporting hop, so to speak. Um, And I've just been finding that it's blending. The the flavors are blending really well into uh, not just our um, West coast style IPAs, but also our, our hazy style IPAs as well. Um, It just seems to bring out some of the citrus aspects to it, but still keep, I don't know how to describe it but still keep an IPA flavor so it doesn't become a complete and total fruit bomb but it still has some of that um I guess you know, resiny or or dankness to it of of like a west coast IPA just real subtle background note and it, so it's playing with new hops and then rediscovering old hops is sort of what we've been working on lately you mentioned um
0: <clears throat> excuse me this collaboration uh that you did uh for Pride 2021 with uh the Matthew Shepherd Foundation. Ah, that was an amazing
1: collaboration. Yeah. Um, um yeah, tell me about it. So uh, you know, we um you know our 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 I guess our, our personal beliefs when we come in, um, to the brewery, my, my wife and I, we are, you know, everybody is welcome. Everybody's always welcome. And we try to always, um, keep it that way in the tap room as well. Um, you will have, and, and kind of moving away from just the pride piece of it for a sec, but you'll have people come in who are, you know, super Uber beer geeks. And then you'll have people who don't know anything about beer. And then, you know, so, I guess what I'm just trying to say is that we want everybody to feel comfortable there and we can talk to everybody. We can be part of everybody. We can include everybody. And when pride month comes around, we want to make sure that everybody knows we include them too. So for, for years now, we've been having, um, a, a pride party to help celebrate. Um, and we get some of our, our friends to come in and, and celebrate with us and, um, make a fun day out of it. Uh, we, we did, you know, a, a drag queen karaoke a couple years ago and a couple of good friends of mine came out and helped us with that and they uh did the drag queen roles for us and um then we had the karaoke this year though with the matthew shepherd collaboration um a uh what i first moved here in 1999 when i went to college and and you uh, moved from jersey right yeah, moved from Jersey, came all the all way across right. the country. I'd never been to—I went to school at CSU up in Fort Collins. I'd never been there. I went blind. I had a friend who went there the year before me, and she said, "You're going to love it here. You apply. You need to come out here." Um, <laughs> and so I did, and then I chose it. And <laughs> a quick side note: when I pulled off the highway the first time off Prospect Avenue off I-25, you're kind of in the—you're—you're—you're—you're you're, you're, you're in the middle of farmland. And there's nothing around there, and I thought I made a huge mistake. And then I found Old Town, and uh, everything got real, real clear at that point. <laughs> but, um, but so yeah. Anyway, um, and the uh, the Matthew Shepard incident had was was real fresh around here, and I just didn't know anything about it. Um, and then you know that kind of stuck with me. Um, you know, now I've lived here for you know, 22 years, yeah. um, and a really good friend of ours who um, so my wife and I met in the dorms. Um, we had a, we had another friend who also lived in the dorms. Um, she's got a kid about the same age as our kid. And so we've been friends for years. She recently started, um, working at the Matthew Shepard foundation, uh, doing marketing. And as soon as she got that job, we reached out and said, Hey, we'd love to do something with you guys. Um, you know, it's a, you know, really important cause which you guys are working on. We'd love to support you and and your efforts there. How can we help? And so we started talking about things and it was probably six or eight months before we finally decided, Hey, let's do, let's do a collaboration beer. Let's raise some money. Let's raise some awareness. Let's get the foundation out here and we can make a whole event out of it. And so, yeah, so as we're tossing ideas back and forth around what to do, um you know we really focused on bringing awareness to the Matthew Shepard's Foundation and their causes and then you know, raising some money for them and we thought the best way to raise money for them was to make a beer that was our best selling style of beer hazy IPA um yeah. and, and then so we we named it IM uh because it is uh, inspired by a poem that Matthew Shepard had actually written um and uh we put the poem the poem is on the front of our can Uh, and you can read through it, but it's really just about um, understanding your own identity, understanding who you are um, and being comfortable with that. It is the gist of the poem. And- Do you you have the poem in front of you? uh, I can have it in front of me in just a moment. Um, And so so I'll come back to it. Uh, And so, yeah, when we get to work, certainly with friends, but uh, work with organizations in our neighborhood and in our community that can help spread a good message. It's one of the best things that we get to do. It's the most exhausting thing we do. Um, doing collaborations is, is no joke, the most exhausting part of running the brewery. It's just, it, they are always, um, they always take a lot. And, and we love doing them and we do a lot of them because we like doing them. We like, we like working with other people. We like getting other ideas. We like spreading good words. And so with the Matthew Shepard foundation, uh, this was a chance to raise money. I mean, we're, we raised around $3,000 between our release party. And then we're donating a dollar from every pint and a dollar from every four pack that we sell. Um, so we we've raised about $3,000 for them. That we're going to get over and, and their cause is just to help the community. Um, help the LG, uh, LG, I get tripped LGBTQ community. Yes, <laughs> thank you, um, and, and help them. You know, more of that community be comfortable with being who they are, being I am. Um, and so the I am poem I have over here. So it's it's I am sensitive. I am honest. I am sincere. I am not a pest. I am my own person. I am warm. I really am funny, nice, hopeful, energetic, giving, understanding, sometimes selfish, sincere, generous, irritable, gay, cute, interesting, intelligent, poor, humble, and outgoing. I am Matthew Shepard. And that poem really helped us, you know, to, to understand exactly what, what Matthew Shepard Foundation is trying to do. And For me, the most um, uh, interesting part of of doing this collab was actually on the release day. uh, We did have our event. Um, Matthew's parents came down and joined us for the event. Uh, So we actually got to speak with with his parents, uh, two amazing people. Um absolutely amazing. I mean, they they invited us to come up. They're like, hey, if you're ever coming through, you're going to Jackson or Yellowstone or something, stop off in Casper, come say hi. You could stay with us, you know, just the most kind, heartwarming oh people that you yeah. that you could meet. Um and uh, funny enough, uh actually their other son, another son, uh, who was about to become a brewer out in Tennessee uh when COVID hit. And unfortunately they, they rescinded his offer. Um so hopefully he gets a job being a brewer real soon and they can do more beers like this. But but yeah, so it was it was amazing to meet them. I mean, they just come down and they they helped us. Um, they just kind of hung out and drank beers with us and helped us give away some prizes and raffles and talk to the crowd and you know they they just had a blast. And um, yeah, it was it was great to be able to give 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 them some money and give that foundation some support and yeah. help our friend out. And it's just it was also wonderful.
0: I'll uh, i encourage everybody to check out um, MatthewShepard.org. That's the website for the Matthew Shepherd Foundation, which is still doing some uh, really important work um, in the face of just you know, please, please unimaginable do, yes. evil and terribleness. Um, you know, it's a collaboration, yes. And you, you've done what What was fun was sort of scrolling through your website. And what What spurred this conversation was an email that. Uh, you all sent out um, uh, not too long ago um, uh, about another collaboration that you're doing. And it and it seems like um, based on what you were saying before, like you, you really enjoy doing these because you're learning from other folks and you get to kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, and, and that's I, from a journalistic perspective. It's always been fun to talk to people about um, collaborations and what they've learned and what they've hoped to, um, you know, get out of an experience as opposed, you know, in, in addition to, you know, making a good beer and making a couple of bucks, but yep. um, wh- when you start thinking about brewery to brewery collaboration, what, what crosses your mind first, you know, what do you look for in a
1: collaboration partner? Uh, usually it, it, it stems from either uh, a beer festival or a, like a GABF type thing where we're walking around and we taste somebody else's beer and it's like, oh wow, this is, I love this. Let me talk to the brewer. And then we, and then we just start talking and then we start talking about beer and then all of a sudden we're friends and it's like, all right, let's do a collaboration.
0: Um, but wait, but we also haven't had beer events or no. or anything in like two years now. So like, are you just working your way through a backlog now of folks that, uh, so to
1: speak yeah absolutely i mean we've got so many people we've reached out to that we want to do collabs with that you know at timing's not right or you know beer's not right or you know we something whatever whatever the case might be where we don't do it and so we, we come back to them and it's like hey maybe now's the time to do it I was, I was trying to get a collab going with uh somebody here in denver recently bayer brewing and reached out to them and like yeah let's meet next week and then some things happened in our personal life and we got sidetracked and it wasn't going to happen anytime soon. So we'll come back to that one later, but, but yeah, we really try to look for people who have like, you know, like-minded sensibilities who like to try different things, who do things that we're interested in doing. Um, and there's so many of those great breweries out there. So, so yeah, we're working through a backlog, but I'd say honestly, are uh, a lot of the clubs we've done in the last year um, have been ones that are kind of outside of the brewing industry. Um, like the Matthew Shepard one, uh, the one yeah. that you were just mentioning that we talked about. We actually collaborated with a coffee company on the beer. Um do a coffee IPA. Yeah. So it's we style we, after my own heart. Yeah. Well, it's uh it's a barrel-aged cold brewed coffee IPA. Uh so it it, it kind of takes it to another another level, which I can't wait for people to try it. And some people are gonna love it, some people are gonna hate it, and I'm totally fine with that, but I'm just really excited for it to have been made and <laughs> be putting into cans literally as we speak right now. Um, so yeah, without the, without the festivals and stuff, our, our log of uh, people we want to collaborate with has, has dwindled as we've kind of chipped away at them, but festivals are starting back up here in Colorado. I've I've probably got a half dozen uh, invites in my inbox right now that I've got to respond back to and try to figure out. The problem is, is we're, we're short staffed and we can't get to festivals as easily as we could a year and a half ago?
0: Are uh, you experiencing the same staffing shortage that uh, a lot of folks are talking about these days, post COVID, or not? I, I hesitate to say post COVID, but uh, you know, as yeah,
1: appear to be waning. Yep, <laughs> uh, since the before times. Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> we um, we kept all of our staff employed throughout all of all the shutdowns and everything. Um, and then just really in the last month and a half, we've had some turnover you know, some of our staff went back to school, you know, people are starting to think about things more, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, we've had other people move on to, you know, other non beer related jobs, that sort of thing. Uh, and so we've had to go back out and hire again. Um, and we don't have, we typically don't have a lot of turnover. So whenever we do hire, it's a, it's a lengthy process because we want to make sure we get a good personality fit for our tap room and our customers and us. And so there's, there's a lot to go into it. And so we have been looking for people and we still have one spot left to fill, but we were able to fill the first two, I want to say relatively easily. Um, you know, we had a handful of interviews and, and found, you know, basically a candidate each time that we liked and they, you know, they accepted the position. So that, that worked out well, but um you know, yeah, tap room staff is, I think, a little bit easier than, say, weight service staff right now. Um, craft beer is still very much cool. It's fun. It's interesting. It's something people want to do. It's something people want to be a part of. People go work at a restaurant. They don't usually go out because they want to work. They want to be a part of a restaurant, per se, but they just they want the the tips and the, the camaraderie and what goes along with working in the service industry. Um, but people seek out craft breweries to work at because they wanna be part of that industry. So I think we have a slightly easier time than a lot of businesses right now who are experiencing these, these staff shortages.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you think about being able to keep people employed during a pandemic, mm-hmm. but also you know trying to attract you know folks, there, there's a lot of conversations right now uh, that are happening about trying to make the brewing industry yeah, not easier um necessarily, but um easier to work in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to pay people living wages, trying to, you know, retain talent, but also foster talent in folks who want to, you know, want to do stuff and maybe not get burnt out uh, you know, too too, too easily or too quickly. Yeah. Um it sounds like you you've put a lot of thought into trying to foster that uh within your own four walls.
1: we think about it a lot with regards to, you know, our staff is our family. We're small. I mean, we have seven employees I mean, it's, it's very small and it's, it's a family. So we try to take care of them as best as we can, but you know, finances get in the way. Would I love to be able to provide 401ks and benefits and everything, everything, you know, the full Monty of packages um, for everybody. I would love to, I I'd have to charge $11 a beer. Um, and yeah. the, the market just doesn't sustain that. As it is, it's funny, Our, our we recently hired a, a manager, um, a, a taproom manager, which we haven't had before. We've always sort of managed it ourselves, but as we've gotten a little bit chaotic in the last year, uh, needed a little help. So we hired a taproom manager. She's like, well, you guys should raise your prices. Meanwhile, I'm getting comments from customers and stuff that yeah, hey, your prices are a little too high, and so it's just trying to figure <laughs> that sort of stuff out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a little tricky. Um, I forget what the original question was.
0: I just well, oh, no, to the just thought. just sort of about you know fostering um, you know, oh, yeah. you know career growth and you know making people you know trying to keep people in, and rather than just sort of turning and burning.
1: Yeah, uh, we had a pretty good program of um, for the first three, four, five years of, you know, giving people, paying them more than minimum wage, paying them, um, getting them good raises every year, that sort of thing. Um, And then Denver uh, accelerated that program for us. So we can't, we we haven't been able to do it on our own because the the city and state have been doing what we were already doing. So we probably would have done it anyway, but as far as like giving raises and things like that Um, and uh, uh, advancement, like, yeah, we've, We've, our, our brew house is really where we foster people. The tap room, I, I to be honest, people, you know, you're, you're a beer server. There's until just recently we were brought our first manager on there, there. wasn't any place for them to go. Now that we've put this management layer in there, if that person were to, um, were to leave, you know, we'd have our beers, our, our server staff right now that, um, ideally one of them would be able to be step into that role and, and would be able to take on that responsibility um so i that, that's always my goal i would always love to bring people in from from outside or bring people in from inside not outside uh but the brew house is where we we've, we've really <laughs> we're sort of a brewer farm at this point it seems like um you know we are our, our head brewers seem to stick around for about a year and a half two years and then they move on to something else um which i get you know we're we can do about a thousand barrels in a year um you know, everybody who's left us has gone to brew 10, 20, 30,000 barrels in a year. You know? So it's just their upward mobility at that point is going to a bigger brewery. So I completely yeah. understand it. Um, there's so yeah, got to so, be a
0: frustration, though, of just being the farm team sometimes.
1: Yeah, there's absolutely a frustration. I mean... Brittany who, who recently left us, she, she was amazing. She started out as an intern with us and then became an assistant brewer and then became a head brewer. And so she worked her way up. She's, I, I still consider her part of our family. We don't get to see her as much anymore, but um, she, she put her heart and soul into that place for the years that she was there. And I don't um, hold it against her at all that she wanted to go do something more. Um, and, and I and I get that, but yeah, it's it's frustrating. I can't can't lie about that. Um, but it's also it's business, and it's you know when you when you've got people, they've got their own lives, and they're on their track, and they've got their train of thoughts and things that they want to do. And then who might've stopped stop them from doing that? You know, I want to I want to support that. I want to help them do those things. Um, just give me some time so that I can make sure that uh, it doesn't disrupt our business too much. That's all I. Ask. Yeah. <laughs>
0: As you think about business disruptions, COVID is still looming large, and I think will be for, you know, in, in all aspects of our lives for the foreseeable future. This is a, a, a shared traumatic event for for a lot of folks, but um, more than a year in, a year and a half into it now, um, and things reopening and people starting to, you know, crave normalcy or force normalcy, and vaccinations are doing, you know, Good not great you know they could be better go get your shots if you haven't gotten your shots yet dear listener um Indeed. but the what what are you starting to realize now with a little bit of time with a little bit of space what 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 are some of the you know the lessons you're able to take out of this that you think can
1: propel you forward uh so there's a couple different aspects to that one, there's, there's the business side of it, right. Um, kind of the, you know, financial and admin side of it. So it's, it really, really scared me at first um, when we were told we had to, we had to close. I, I just, it it didn't sit in my mindset that that there would be something that could happen that would force my, you know, my, call it free market capitalism business to be shut down. Um, And I wasn't prepared for it. We were fortunate that we were in a place where as, as financially as a business where we were able to sustain, but technologically as a business, we adapted. I mean, we didn't, we were never closed for a single day. Um, The night that we were told, you know, we can't be open to the public anymore. Rebuilt our website entirely to do online sales and have to-go sales. Um, then they told us we could do delivery. Rebuilt our website again so we could do delivery, and it wasn't you know ideal, but it was functional. And it worked. Um, I think you know to answer your question on that piece on the business, it's the biggest piece that this brought around. The biggest insight from the business side was. We just need to be prepared for everything. We need to, you know, have enough savings in the bank where if we have to close our doors for six months because of something, then that's what happens. Or, or be prepared to not have a business. Um, we need to be prepared to jump from one foot to another to change how we operate. And we were able to do that in this in this instance, and a lot of other businesses weren't. I mean, when this first hit, I mean, there were there were breweries in the area that were closed for a month or more. Because um, yeah. they had to reorient themselves and, and get things figured out so that they could continue to operate. And, um, it, it, it's such a challenge. Uh, overnight, no warning and, and not really a whole lot of guidance either. I also give a, a huge amount of credit to our Colorado Brewers Guild. I mean, they were on top of it. Everything that, that, that came out of the government saying you need to do this, you do that, here's the rules, here's what to follow, here's how to act. Um, they provided interpretations, gave us the guidelines, clarified what needed to be done. When there was something that was an egregious injustice, they fought for our cause and got it fixed. Um, you know, it, the Colorado Brewers Guild, you know, more than was worth their weight in gold in the last year and a half. Um, so it's it's good that we had a good a good guild partnership here. Um, on the brewing side, which I think is also important. You know, the fact that we went for basically an entire year, full calendar year, March to March, um, without a normal, uh, call it beer cycle. And yeah. I, I just mean like a calendar cycle, right? You know, seasons and events and things like that. Uh, we were unsure of what to do. What should we brew? We, we switched gears and started canning twice as much as we've been doing, Because everything was just going out the door. Um, you know, we were canning full batches of things, but we learned to separate ourselves. I think you mentioned earlier, you know, breweries that follow the untaps and the you know the the trends and things like that. And yeah, while we while we like to try new stuff, we like to try new stuff because we want to try something new. Um we don't try new stuff just to get a reaction. I guess is, is the, the, the defining difference there. I mean, I used to check on every day. I'd look at our beers every day and see how they were doing and kind of monitor the progress and get excited when we ticked up another point, you know, another hundredth of a point or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I completely stopped that. I, I, I separated myself from that. And it, and it has been very um, freeing not to be so beholden to that and, and Wondering. Now, there's pluses and minuses to that because untapped is also a place where I'd go and I'd find out, hey, one of our cans was oxidized. There was something wrong. There's a there's a quality control issue. That's finger a lot of times where I find those issues. You know, people don't report them to us, but they'll put it up on social media somewhere and I'll see it. And then I'll reach yeah, out and I'll ask yeah. them about it and follow up and try to make it right for those people. But it's something we need to know for ourselves too. If we've got beer out there that's not right. Um, so there's you know, there's a minus that I'm not watching that as closely, but Um, you know, it's, we've, we've, we've been able to have a little bit more freedom in what we decide, um, is the next thing we want to try, I guess, so to speak. Um, and it's, it's been nice and I, I jump on untapped every now and again, but it's not like before. I'm not checking it every day. It's not good for your mental health. No, no, not at all. (laughs) And I totally understand. I mean, it's like untapped is such a weird thing because it's so subjective. Beer is subjective. And that's what I love about beer. I can give one beer to five different people and get five different answers for what it tastes like, what it is, whether they like it. And and it is so subjective. And that's why I like beer. I, I like those differences. I like those nuances. I like that I can taste something in beer that you can't taste and vice versa and trying to find those things and how to make those things and how to bring that out of the beer or the hops or the ingredients. Uh, that's, that's the fun part.
0: And and as I, as I start to wrap up with you here, it's a great segue because I I was thinking about the correlation between books and beer and a good work of fiction and a great pint of beer. Um, And you know, five people can read the same book and walk away feeling five different ways. Um, You know, and sometimes it's the author's intent and sometimes it's not. Uh, and same thing, you know, with beer. Do you try to have your beers tell a story?
1: Every time. Every time, most of the time. Occasionally we have beer ideas that we just don't have a story for and it's just something we wanted to do. And those are usually the ones, uh, you know, insider tip if it's not tied to a book and it's more of like a literary term, that's usually why it's because we, we didn't tie it to a book. It doesn't have a story. There wasn't, there wasn't more behind it. It was just an an impulse. And um, but for all of our other beers that are not literary terms, um, they're all inspired by, by our favorite books, Um, other books we've, we've read, books we wanted to read. In some cases we've worked with some of our regulars who love books and built built beers out of that. Our our Madam Psychosis beer, which won the bronze uh, hazy pale Ale a few years ago, was actually a uh, named and inspired by uh, uh, one uh, one of our regulars is a English professor, and so he was like, "Hey, I want to work with you guys and let's make a beer together." And so he wrote the description. He came up with that. We decided what style of beer together. And anyway, it, it was another pseudo collaboration, but it was uh, you know it was it was fun to have somebody else bring their story, uh, to us. And so, yeah, every, every beer that we have when we make that beer and we're sitting down and thinking about how that beer is going to taste once it's done, we're thinking about how it's going to taste while people are reading that book. Cause a lot of people will buy our beers and then go buy the books and then kind of side by side. them. Um, and so we always want to tell people that, you know, the story that's in our beer might be different for every person, but every beer yeah. is going to have a story. Yeah. And and the story that they get out of it's going to be their own. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, I like that you're still writing your story and uh, (laughs) that you're helping book sales along, which is uh, critically important, especially from uh, from my industry. So uh, thanks very much. and I'll encourage everybody to go. visit next time they're in Denver or if they're in Denver and haven't been for a while to to, to go check it out again. But um Ryan, thanks again. for taking the time today to you know to talk and to we covered a lot. So thanks for yeah. your time. You're you're
1: very welcome, John. And if I could throw in one more plug. Yeah. Um uh, people can get our beers also through Beer Drop. It's a national, nationwide beer delivery service um, that's based here in Denver, and uh, they ship our beers all over the country. So, if people listen to your show and want to get some fiction beer, they can order it through Beer Drop.
0: What a time to be alive!
1: I know, and right? When, uh,
0: <laughs> and when you're ordering those those books, uh, make sure you're going through the independent booksellers. Uh, Absolutely, go to your local book bookstore.
1: One, but... Yep.
0: Thanks Ryan, I appreciate it. Hey John, it was great talking to you. As I mentioned during the show, we're wrapping up Pride Month. And so another reminder to check out the Matthew Shepard Foundation to learn more about the good work they're doing, not just in June, but year round. And before we go, I'm happy to say that NZ Hops is a proud sponsor of Drink Beer Think Beer. Harvest has officially ended in New Zealand and there are exciting hops to choose from, including Nelson Savin, Matsuika, Rewaka, and the newest hop in the lineup, Nectaron. The white wine, stone fruit and tropical fruit notes layered with pine, citrus and herbal notes offer a range of flavors unlike any other growing region in the world. Learn more about what they can do for your beers by visiting nzhops.co.nz or finding NZHops on social media. And if you'd like to know more about our surprisingly affordable advertising rates and how you can help independent journalism move along, please reach out to Liz Melby. She's on email at liz at to learn more. Also, check out beeredge.com for articles, merch, the newsletter, and more. And also check out Beer Edge on social media at The Beer Edge. And you should join us on Facebook on the This Week in Rauk Beer group to talk about all things smoked beers. And on Twitter and Instagram at TW Questions, comments, suggestions, complaints, I'm happy to hear them all. Drop me a line on email it's j-o-h-n-h-o-l-l at beeredge.com or john underscore hall on twitter you know the deal nate whoever he does the music jeff quinn designed the logo and i'm john hall new episodes of the podcast release every wednesday and that's when i'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer